saddle shape is 100% a thing. Most people, unless you're an arborist or a lineman or a rock climber and you are used to being suspended from things, you have to get used to it. It is a different feeling on your hips, on your butt, on your back, on your legs. It's not altogether bad. It's just different and you have to get used to it. Hey guys, welcome to the National Deer Association's Deer Season 365 podcast. I'm your host, Brian Grossman, and this week we're going to be talking to Greg Godfrey, co-owner of the Tethered Saddle Hunting Company, about the whole saddle hunting craze, you know, how he first got involved and how that led him to to start this, this saddle hunting company. Um, we're going to discuss what you need to know if you're interested in saddle hunting to get started, um, you know, what equipment you'll need, why you'd use a saddle and what circumstances, you know, do saddles work best, um, best practices for getting up in the tree and, and the benefits and, and limitations of saddle hunting. So we're going to cover the full gamut, uh, whether or not you ever plan to try saddle hunting. Hey, this is a, a great conversation with Greg, and I think you guys are going to enjoy it. So be sure to stick around for that. Uh, before we get on the phone with Greg, though, I do need to mention that this episode of the Deer Season 365 podcast is brought to you by our friends at OnX. Uh, OnX is definitely my go-to app for scouting and, and hunting, and man, they just keep on improving an already great product, uh, constantly adding new features, updating the imagery on a regular basis. Uh, we've worked very closely with OnX to help them develop the CWD layer that's available on the app. So you can always know whether or not the area you're hunting in is a CWD zone and what steps you need to take if you're hunting in that zone. So if you're not currently an Onyx user and you want to give it a try, or if you're already an Onyx user and maybe your membership's getting ready to expire, you can use the promo code NDA. And not only will you save 20%, but Onyx will make a small donation back to the NDA uh, on top of that. So be sure to, to try that out. Again, that's uh, promo code NDA. And hey, if you're getting fired up about the upcoming hunting seasons and you're just you're kind of looking for a way to fill in that time between now and, and opening day, be sure to check out the events calendar on our website. A lot of our local NDA branches are hosting events, uh, anything from fundraising banquets to habitat and hunting seminars, field days, that kind of stuff. So it's a great opportunity to, to get out, spend some time with like-minded deer hunters, swap some hunting stories, and, and just have a great time with some great folks. So you can check that out on our website at DeerAssociation.com and click on the calendar link in the top right-hand corner of the page. Uh, also, just a reminder that our latest fundraiser, the Tracker UTV giveaway, is winding down. We got less than a week to go on that. So if you haven't got your chances on that, you can head over to DeerAssociation.com slash tracker, or you can just go to our homepage, DeerAssociation.com, click on that big tracker giveaway banner there at the top of the page. That's going to take you to our special NDA membership offer, where if you join, renew, or extend your membership with the NDA through this special membership drive, you got to use that, that link. Uh, you're going to be entered to win that Tracker 800SX UTV. 
you got two options. You got a hundred dollar option that's going to give you a one year NDA membership and one chance at the Tracker UTV. Or for two hundred and fifty dollars, you'll get a three year NDA membership and three chances on the UTV. And if you're you're already a member, that's okay. You can still uh, you can still get in on this, and we'll just extend your membership. Uh, either one year or three years, depending on on which of those options you choose. Uh, we're going to draw one winner for the UTV on Friday, August 26th. Um, but the the actual promotion ends on Tuesday, August 23rd. So be sure to get your uh, get your chances on that before it's too late. We're going to draw a winner on that that following Friday, August 26th. Uh, so again, you can head over to DeerAssociation.com slash tracker. And be sure to get your chances on that UTV. And guys, with that, we're going to get on the phone here with Greg Godfrey to talk all about saddle hunting. Hey, Greg, uh, before we kind of dive into to all things saddle hunting here, can you kind of kick things off by just telling us a little bit of, about yourself and and maybe where your interest in hunting and the outdoors came from? Sure. Like uh, probably a lot of your a lot of your listeners, um, I kind of grew up in a hunting family and. You know, my uncles, my dad, my brother, kind of extended family and friends. We all hunted. And uh, so it was it was kind of put in into us, me and me and my brother um, as at an early age. And we grew up doing it, hunting, and fishing and camping and all that stuff. So it was just kind of a natural way of life for us. And as I got older and, you know, left home for college and then joined the military and moved, you know, Uncle Sam moved me all around the country from. <laughs> southeast out west in colorado and up up north into upstate new york and kind of everywhere in between uh, it just kind of stuck with me that was always the the thing that kept me you know grounded and uh you know it was my hobby it was my pastime it was my passion it was how i made friends and you know dealt with people so it's just kind of an all-encompassing way of life when you're a hunter and that's certainly certainly true for me and then you know, I was fortunate in that uh, we started Tethered in 2018, and that kind of opened up even more doors for me to, to pursue hunting around the country and with lots of people. So hunting has been a great thing for me and something that, you know, like you, Brian, and like everybody listening, most likely it's, it's something they're truly passionate about. So uh, it's been it's been a great thing for me, and I'm very, 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 very lucky that I get to spend most of my time thinking about it. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I can, I can relate to that. Um, but I, I guess at what point along the line, we're going to get into, you mentioned, you know, starting, starting tethered and, and the saddle hunting company there, and we'll certainly get into that. But uh, I, I guess at what point along the way there, did you discover saddle hunting and, and what that was all about? Well, that was, that was thanks to the army. Thanks to uncle Sam. Um, I really got passionate about bow hunting when uh, when I went away to college, so I was out at 18, 19, and I moved to Virginia from Florida. I, I had hunted with a bow starting probably when I was 12 or 13, I got my first bow. But it, bow hunting then was always something you did to get into the woods early. It wasn't really the focus. Um, but I, I really became enamored with bow hunting in college because I wasn't allowed to have weapons, uh, uh, guns in my dorm. So I could only bring my bow. And so for four years, I basically focused on bow hunting and I just really fell in love with it. And then you know, fast forward after college, I joined the army 
and Uncle Sam took me out to Fort Carson, Colorado, in Colorado Springs, the front range of the Rocky Mountains, and I tried to import my my southeast uh, hunting tactics that I grew up learning in Florida. You know, we hunted feeders and pine flats and used climber stands and box blinds and you know, kind of all that stuff in in Pensacola, Florida. And I tried to import that to Colorado in the in the mountains, and it just didn't work. <laughs> it was, everything was too big, it bulky. All I had access to was public land, so there were rules regarding what you could take into the woods, what you could leave into the trees. You know, you can't screw anything into the trees. And, you know, there was all these things, and then I had to worry about other people. If I did leave a tree stand in the, in the woods, you know, somebody else being there, hunting it, all those types of things. And that was a new experience for me. And it just didn't work. And uh, so I set out to find a better way. And that's when I discovered saddle hunting through John Eberhardt's book called uh, Hunting Pressure Whitetails. And in in John's book, who if, if, you, if, if listeners don't know who John Eberhardt is, He's a fellow from Michigan. Has been bow hunting for sixty years, and he's you know killed, I think over fifty Pope and young animals on public land and you know free permission properties. He's he's kind of a legend in the bow hunting space. And in his book, Hunting Pressured Whitetails, he has a chap he has a chapter dedicated to saddle hunting, and that's where I learned about it. And I you know I, I found found one on eBay probably or Craigslist. <laughs> And I bought it and learned how to use it, and I liked it. But in in my opinion, the, the equipment was just not up to par. So I taught myself how to sew, and I started making my own stuff in in my garage. And then I met a bunch of people online on on a saddle hunting forum that I discovered, and that's kind of how it how it got started. It just it was a labor of love that blossomed into this this cool new thing. Yeah. Yeah. That, it's interesting because, you know, I've, I've been myself bow hunting for, I don't know, 30, 35 years, I guess. And, you know, I think a lot of hunters, probably especially newer hunters, probably think of saddle hunting as this new, new craze, this new phenomenon. But, you know, it's been around for a long time. It's just never really quite hit the mainstream of, of the hunting community. And, um, yeah, I, I remember thinking back, I don't remember hearing much about it, but I remember seeing like an ad or two, like, you know, in some of the hunting magazines years and years ago for, for these tree saddles and had no clue what it was all about, you know, it's completely foreign to me, but, uh, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's been amazing to see it come to light. And, and like I said, people don't realize, I guess you're talking about running into, uh, the folks online and the on the saddle hunter forum and stuff, I guess there's kind of always been this, this, um, I don't know what you call kind of like an underground following of saddle hunting. I mean, has it had a following for, for all these years, I guess. I, I think you're right. I think it's, it's been around for a while. Best I can tell it was, it was first commercially available in the late sixties and early seventies with a product called the big buck sling or the Anderson tree sling. As far as I can tell, that was the first commercial uh, saddle hunting equipment available. And, you know, so that's 50 years ago. And you're you're 100% right. It never really caught on until, you know, the last five or six years, really. And part of that was because there wasn't any really good equipment available. 
in in 2018 when we launched Tethered, there there was no saddle hunting companies on the market. There was a an arborist company that started dabbling into hunting saddles, but and, and they made some great products. It, it was called Arrow Hunter, and they're still around today. But they weren't really a hunting company. They were, like I said, an arborist company. They were a recreational tree climbing company, and they started making products that kind of fit in that space. And and so there for a really long time, there was no way to even find a, a saddle uh, <laughs> if you wanted to use it, unless you bought it like I did, like on eBay or Craigslist or something like that. So there was this lull in time where it was just very difficult to to get the get the gear and not only that before youtube and social media it was almost impossible to learn about it because yeah it just it just didn't exist there weren't yeah. that many people doing it so uh yeah i mean it's it's a it's cool that it's catching on and that people are starting to see it uh you know the, a lot of advantages that it has so that part's pretty cool and i guess what, what was kind of the the timeline like between you know, you discovering saddle hunting, you start making some of your own gear and then all of a sudden think, okay, I'm going to start this saddle hunting company. How, how did that kind of progress? So the first time I ever went on a saddle hunt was in 2009. And that was with, you know, that old, that old, uh, saddle that I found on eBay or wherever it was. And then I started, uh, I, I kind of stuck with, with that, that commercial option, uh, probably until, uh, maybe 2013, maybe 2014, something like that. Maybe even 2015, somewhere right in that, that time frame. 13, 14 or 15 is, is when I started kind of dabbling with making my own stuff. And then it just kind of morphed into this accidental business, which <laughs> is pretty cool. Pretty, pretty lucky, pretty cool, pretty fortunate. Yeah. Yeah. It's been amazing to, to kind of watch it all unfold. I mean, you guys were definitely kind of the, my first introduction to, to saddles and saddle hunting and uh, man, just to see all the new gear and stuff coming out all the time and the advancements happening, you know, just year to year, or even, you know, within the years, it's uh it's, it's been pretty amazing to, to watch. So. And, but, and something that's really cool that I, I think has happened uh, largely in part of because of saddle hunting is we're seeing this boom in ultra lightweight tree stands and climbing stuff that is not just for saddle hunters, but because of this, you know, newfound saddle hunting craze, the tree stand guys and the other hunting accessory guys have kind of figured out that hunters want really good, lightweight user-friendly gear and so i feel like it's kind of pushed the rest of the hunting market to kind of catch up and so that's been pretty cool to see as well yeah yeah absolutely now you know we mentioned there that it's just really exploded here over the last you know five or six years do you think um is it leveling off at this point as far as interest or does it still seem to be you know interest climbing every year I, you know, it's hard to say. I, um, I travel all over the country now and we do, we do events all over the country and we still, every single, every single time I go somewhere, we have people come up and, you know, they look at it like a deer in headlights when we show it, they're like, what in the world is that? <laughs> so there's still a lot of hunters, probably even most hunters that have 
no clue what it is or never even heard of it. So I think there's still a lot of room to grow, but, uh, yeah, who, who knows where it's, when it's going to finally level off or slow down. Hopefully never, hopefully more and more owners keep learning about it and finding it. And, you know, I, I don't think you have, I don't think hunters have to be kind of weirdos like me where that's all they <laughs> come from. You can still use tree stands and box blinds and ground blinds and all that stuff. There's nothing wrong with any of that stuff. It's just uh, maybe now hunters can can get a saddle set up and put it in their put it in their toolkit and then use it when it makes sense. You know, just like a golfer carries more than one club, use a use a ladder stand when it makes sense and use a box blind when it makes sense and use a saddle when it makes sense. So uh, hopefully, I kind of hope that's where we go. Is that it's just kind of seen as another tool in the toolkit and it makes hunters a little bit more mobile and a little bit more efficient. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. I don't know why it's funny. It does seem like, you know, if, if you use a, a saddle, you're, you're labeled a saddle hunter, but like you said, there's, it wasn't like before saddles, you were, you had to choose between a climber or a lock on or, you know, a ladder stand. You, uh, you just, you were a deer hunter and you could use different options, but same, you know, there's same holds true with, uh, with saddles as well. Like, so there's no reason you can't, yeah. can't just use it. And, uh, as well as tree stands or anything else that, that fits the, the specific situation. I've thought the same thing, you know, guys that use a climber, you're not called a, a climber. Hunter, <laughs> yeah. You're just called a hunter. Yeah. So maybe we'll get to the point here at some, at some point in time where that goes away and it's just, you're just, we're all just hunters, you know? And I, I actually think that's a good thing. And, and I, don't, and I don't get on social media much anymore just because it's, That's, I don't think it's yeah, it's good for your mental health, <laughs> but, uh, but uh, it would be really great if that kind of went away and some of the fighting that goes back and forth over, you know, saddles and tree stands and then what kind of you, what kind of brand you use and all that oh, stuff. Man. I really would like it to go away. It's, it's so annoying and it, it's just, I don't think it's good for hunters. I don't think it's good for the community in general. No. No, and that, that's, boy, that's a whole nother podcast, uh, the infighting, yeah. <laughs> infighting amongst hunters. But, uh, yeah, we won't, we, we won't go down that road, but, uh, yeah, I, I agree with you there. Um, so, so let's talk about, I guess, not necessarily who is saddle hunting for, cause you kind of covered that really, I mean, it could, it could work for anybody, I guess, talk more specifically about what situations is, is saddle hunting for when, when, when are you going to want to pull that out of your toolbox? So to me, I think the saddle hunt the, the saddle hunting advantage is really most evident when you need to be mobile. So if you hunt maybe maybe public land more, where uh, you you know there's all sorts of rules depending on what state you're in. If you can leave gear in the woods, you know, whole season, or you can't, you know, what type of what type of equipment you can attach to the tree, whether you can screw in stuff to the tree or you can't break the bark. You know, you have to tear, you have to set up and tear down your, your sand or your saddle every single time you go into the woods. It, it just kind of depends. There's so many different types of land that you have different rules, but to me, it really shines in the situation where you either by law or by choice, you want to be mobile and you want to hunt new, fresh stuff every time. Uh, or you're, you know, you're not hunting the same tree over and over again, or you're covering a lot of distance or you're, you know, maybe you hunt in a hilly area where you got to go, you cover a lot of elevation gain. 
Uh, those types of situations where you need to be mobile and you, you don't want to carry big, heavy, bulky gear, to me, that's where it really shines. That's that's kind of who – I think that's who – that's the hunter that has gravitated towards saddle hunting thus far are those types of guys that are you – know, they're mobile hunters. They're hunting fresh stuff constantly. Uh, they're covering big distances and, and stuff like that. That's the guy that it really seems to work best for. But that being said, I also have friends that don't hunt that way at all. They, you know, maybe they hunt mostly private land and, you know, public, private doesn't really matter to me. I hunt both. I like both. But if you are uh, maybe hunting, you know, family land or private farms or whatever you have access to that, there aren't as many rules and regulations where you can kind of do your own thing. I mean, we're, we're hearing from people all over the country that they're, they're going to a saddle setup as well, because it, it reduces the, you know, you don't have to buy 10 tree stands now to set up 10 different spots. You can, you can just take your saddle in and hunt those 10 different trees with less gear set up in advance. So what a lot of guys do is they'll set up a climbing method on a tree you know, a, a stick ladder or screw in steps or whatever it is they use, they prefer to set up to climb the tree. And then they'll just pop in and out with their saddle and, it, you know, saves them from buying, you know, three, four, five, ten tree stands every year to set up new spots. So that, that type of hunter can really benefit from it too. So uh, I, I, I guess without sounding like a broken record <laughs> in the beginning, that, that public land guy that was moving a lot was the, was the guy that really, kind of stuck to it first but it's really kind of getting bigger than that now and and all types of hunters are using it yeah yeah absolutely yeah i mean i i initially was interested because you know i'm primarily a a public land hunter like you're talking about there and and uh for years and years you know packed in the big heavy climber with a pack strapped on it you know and uh i'm pushing 50 now and uh, getting tired of packing all that weight so the <laughs> the saddle <laughs> plus the uh, just the compactness of everything uh with the, the saddle and the sticks and stuff as well it's just uh, a lot less banging through brush and stuff but that i say all that that's what initially appealed to me but then i find myself even on my own property here where i could easily you know pack my climber back there and i'm not walking far but i, I still find myself <laughs> hunting out of the saddle it's just uh, w once I got used to it, that's that's uh, where I wanted to be. That's kind of what happened to me. Um, you know, I, I, when I got into saddle hunting, like I said, I was active duty army. And so I was hunting primarily military bases and there was competition. Right. So it was like I'd find a good spot and I was still hunting from I was hunting from tree stands and saddle hunting. It just kind of depended on the scenario. But there were spots where I would I would set up a tree stand and. I mean, I don't know if this ever happened to you, but this one morning when I was stationed in upstate New York, I walked into my tree stand set up on this big swamp and there was a dude sitting in my tree. <laughs> and that, I mean, that's totally legal. He didn't do anything, you know, legally wrong that you're allowed to do that. But it pissed me off, right? Because I was going to hunt that tree that I put in all the effort to find the spot and set it up and, you know, scout it and put the cameras out. and. Then this dude just was in my tree. I was like, man, this sucks. So if that's ever happened to to you guys, it's it's a frustrating situation and, and the saddle solves that for sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And yeah, you you leave stands out on public land sooner or later, you're probably gonna find somebody in your tree. So yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, it's, it's yeah. Nice. And it's like a big homing beacon, right? Like, oh, there's a big tree stand here. Somebody must have found something good. I'm going to, I'm going to hunt close. To it. So, <laughs> that's right. I mean, that's a, that's a true thing too. Now, I guess the saddle hunting kind of, favor a, a specific weapon i mean i know i'm primarily a bow hunter and you talked about you know liking the bow hunt and obviously it, it works very well for that um i have heard some guys you know talk about it it's a little more of a struggle with rifle hunting uh, have you found that to be true or, or why is that I, I would say yes it is a little bit more difficult to to rifle hunt with it um but I, i've killed several deer with my rifle out of out of the saddle it really where it gets difficult is is if you have to shoot away from the tree so with the saddle uh you hang with the tree in front of you so it, it, anything that's kind of on the back side of the tree where you can use the tree as a brace for your rifle that that works absolutely wonderfully but if you have to turn around and shoot behind you where you're you know basically freehand in the rifle uh, that can that can be a little bit more of a struggle, but I suppose it's no different than hunting from a traditional traditional lock on tree stand where you wouldn't have a big rifle support in front of you, so right, you'd yeah. have to freehand everything in that regard as well. But uh, I've never taken a shot like that with my rifle out of the saddle. The only I've only killed two bucks with my rifle out of the saddle, and both of them were in front of me, and so I was able to you know, put the rifle right against the tree, the, the, the trunk of the tree and use it as a brace. And in that situation, it worked you know, phenomenally well. So I, I could see situations where if you're hunting a green field or, you know, ag field, cornfield, bean field, whatever, and you, you're pretty confident that the shot is going to be in front of you in that field, then I would say, you know, it's, it's no issue hunting from uh, a saddle with a rifle. But if you're, you know, maybe hunting in ridges and ridges, you know, back in, in the woods somewhere and you have no idea if, uh, if the shot's going to be in front of you, beside you or behind you, that could maybe be a little bit more problematic. Well, with that, let's, uh, let's get into some saddle hunting equipment because I know, you know, I, I'm a year in now, so I, I got a pretty good grasp of, of what I, what I need and, and what I use and that kind of stuff. But I know when I first started looking into this, that was the most confusing part to me was, was just kind of figuring out what exactly I needed and, and what I didn't because man, there's, there's a lot of gear out there. There's a lot of guys doing stuff with gear, you know, modifying and, and using it different ways. And, and until you really dive into it, like I said, it can, it can be a little overwhelming. So, but it, but it don't have to be, you know, like I said, once, once I kind of learned and, and figured out what was going on, it, it, there's really not a whole lot of equipment you need to get started. So, can, can you touch on that? Just what are, what are some of the basics? And then we'll, you know, we'll get into some of the more advanced stuff here in a, in a little bit. Yes, that you, you hit the nail on the head there. It can definitely be confusing when you're, when you're just starting to learn. Uh, and, and you nailed it. Like once you, once you, once you've hunted a few times out of the saddle, you realize it's really not that complicated, but it just kind of feels like it at the outset. But it, the bare basics, you need a saddle, obviously a hunting saddle. You're going to need a couple of ropes to climb the tree and, and hunt effectively. Uh, we call one one rope a tether, and that's your main support line that you use while you're hunting. And then there's a second rope that you use called a lineman belt, and that's a tree that's a that's a rope that you use as you're climbing the tree to ascend the tree safely. Uh, so you need your saddle, you need two ropes, 
and then you need something to do with your feet. Yeah, yeah. Because when you get to hunting height, maybe you get lucky and you can use a branch or something to rest your feet on. But most people carry some type of platform or ring of steps to to set up at hunting height so they can maneuver for a shot. And there's really kind of two two schools of thought on that. Most people use saddle hunting platforms, which are just basically little miniature tree stands. They're really small, anywhere from three to seven pounds, just depending on the manufacturer who makes it. But really small miniature tree stands, and you, you set that that platform when you get to hunting height, then you climb on it, set your tether, and then that's how you, you would spend the rest of your hunt. So the bare basics are a saddle, a couple of ropes, and something to do with your feet. And can, I guess probably should have should have tackled this a little earlier on, but I guess for somebody that's just completely clueless about all this, can you kind of and I know it's a little harder on a podcast, but can you kind of paint a picture of, of exactly what we're talking about when we're talking about a saddle to, to begin with? What What is a, a tree saddle or a hunting saddle? So we like to say it's like a, it's like a rock climbing harness and a hammock had a baby. So <laughs> it, you get the safety of the rock climbing harness with a load bearing belt and uh, you know, it fits around your waist kind of like a, like a rock climbing harness would, but then instead of just, straps going around your waist and legs that's basically a, a a seat built out of either mesh or fabric or something like that so you've got kind of like sitting in a swing kind of like a you know like you're when you're a kid and you sat in a swing set it, that's kind of the, the same idea just more surface area to be more comfortable with the, the built-in safety of a rock climbing harness so you that is your when you're climbing the tree your saddle is your is your safety harness for when you're when you're climbing and when you're up at an elevated position and it's also your seat for when you're hanging there you, most people wear it in so you would you would get into your saddle at your truck and you put it on you know put it around your waist and buckle the belt and put on the leg straps and then walk into your tree some guys pack it in but it seems like probably the vast majority of guys put it on at the truck and walk in with it um which is you know, a kind of another advantage of saddle hunting is you don't have to carry any big heavy thing like on your back or in a pack or anything like that. You can just strap it on and walk in with it. But that that's what a saddle is, a rock climbing harness and a hammock had a baby. And it, they're very comfortable, very lightweight and very strong. So they're, they're pretty much like a do all elevated hunting tool. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I'm, yeah, I wear mine in. That's, that's, I started doing that right off the bat. And like you said, you don't even really realize it's, it's on there. It's lightweight. And, you know, I just loosen, loosen the leg straps when I walk in and then tighten them up when I actually do, do my climb. But, um, yeah, you don't even, don't even notice it's there. That's how but, I do it. I do it. I, I have a, a couple of accessories on mine, um, little pouches that live on, you know, each hip, my left and right hip. And in my pouches, I keep my ropes and my my comfort accessories and my bow hanger and all that stuff that I need on every hunt. And that that just lives on my saddle. Every single hunt, I know where everything is. I don't have to hunt and peck around for it in my garage or in my pack. All the necessities live right there on the saddle. And that, that makes it idiot-proof for a guy like <laughs> me, so I don't ever forget anything. Oh, yeah. Yep. I'm, I'm right there with you. So what? There, there's a lot of lot of uh tree saddle manufacturers and, and models out there now or, or a fair number of them um i guess what are kind of some features i guess you would consider and and look for when you're actually buying a a saddle your first saddle well the things that were important to me 
were were weight. First of all, I wanted it to be lightweight. Uh, I wanted it to be simple and efficient with adjustability for comfort. You know, no matter how big or small a tree I was hunting from, I wanted or like a weird tree. If I if if the spot I needed to be in, the only tree was a crooked, gnarly tree, I want to be able to hunt that tree, you know, unlike maybe a, a climbing tree stand where you need a, a relatively straight, limbless tree. Um, a lot of times, especially in the southeast, you can find those trees quite a bit. But yeah, so when you get out in the Midwest, you know, you never find, you rarely find good straight trees with no limbs. So when I'm looking for a saddle, it needs to be comfortable, it needs to be lightweight, and it needs to be adaptable to any tree. Um, you know, that, my company, Tethered, we make that saddle, but there are other companies like you like you brought up that there's several saddle hunting companies now that are making really good quality gear. So that's a that's a cool thing about where the you know the industry, if you want to call it that, has gone to where you used to only have you know a option for getting saddle a saddle hunting setup and now there's lots of them, so that's pretty cool that's good for hunters yeah yeah absolutely now what about uh start let's you know talk about some some accessories and stuff you kind of covered covered the basics of what we need but i know you know see a lot of guys referring to ropemans or ascenders kongs things like this what what exactly are those and is that something a guy needs to get started saddle hunting so those are convenience items. What they are is it's equipment borrowed from the from the rock climbing industry, the mountain climbing industry. And it's just a way to adjust your position on the rope easily. So when you're climbing the tree and you're using your lineman belt, you know, as you climb the tree, you need to lengthen your rope and shorten your rope pretty frequently as you're, you know, hanging a stick or climbing to the next rung on your ladder or whatever the case may be. And Traditionally, the way that's been done is with a, a knot called a Prusik knot, which allows you to adjust the length of your rope with a throughout a, a set with a second rope called a Prusik knot. But those ascenders, the ropemen, the Kong duck, they uh, they're basically mechanical Prusik knots, so you can easily and with one hand adjust the length of your rope as you're climbing the tree. And then when you get to hunting height and you're sitting in your tether. Uh, those those ascenders do this. They, they, they do the same thing. So you uh, the length of your tether uh, very quickly, very easily, no noise. And what that does is it allows you to be comfortable throughout the whole hunt. So you can you can tighten your rope and, and stand up a little bit more and then you can loosen your rope and sit down a little bit more. And if you do that kind of throughout the hunt, you know, I, I find that I adjust my rope maybe maybe once every hour or something like that, every hour and a half, it really kind of depends on the tree. But as you, as you make little small adjustments to your rope and your, the length of your tether throughout your hunt, and I'm talking small, you know, three inches, four inches, not two feet, anything like that. You're making really small adjustments and it just changes the angle at which you're hanging, which changes where the weight is you know you can put the weight more on your butt or more on your feet more on your hips more on your back you can just kind of rotate around through those different positions that way you can stay really comfortable throughout the hunt and you don't get sore legs or sore butt that type of thing and and since you're making such small adjustments it's you know there's not any big movements in the tree you don't have to make a scene up in the tree where all the deer are going to see you. you you can really do it pretty stealthily yeah, that's something 
yeah, I plan on talking about it a little later, but we'll we'll dive into it now. And is is just is getting comfortable, or, or or I guess kind of learning to to be comfortable in the saddle. Because I will say, from from my first experience, I remember I'd, I'd played around with it out here in the yard, you know, just to, to get used to climbing the tree and getting situated and and all that. It went well, and I decided this was last year. I decided to go out and do an, an observation set where I could get a few hours in the thing. And uh, just just to get a, a good feel for it before the actual season came in, you know, you don't want to be figuring stuff out on the opening morning of, of deer season. And uh, I remember after about the first hour in the tree that that evening, I was like, man, I may be going back to a tree stand. It was just I was starting to get some discomfort and I just I hadn't figured out at the time, like you were talking about there, the different adjustments you can make or, or the different ways you can situate yourself to to stay comfortable. And w- once I did, then I realized, you know, I ended up sitting there three hours and, and it wasn't any trouble, but after about that first hour or so I, I was a little worried. I ain't gonna lie to you. Uh, but, but it does, it takes time. And I've heard people call it, um, what saddle shape. You got to get into saddle shape, but I guess, can you, yep. can you talk about that? I mean, is that something pretty common that, uh, people experience? So that's, that's a hundred percent true. It's a thing. I started calling it saddle shape years and years ago and it kind of stuck, but that, that is a, that is a thing. And so if, if you're out there listening to this and, and you're contemplating buying your first saddle and uh, someone is telling you that it's a magic pill and you're going to buy this saddle and you're going to climb up in a tree and you're going to be a hundred percent comfortable and you're going to kill the biggest buck you've ever seen in your life. They are lying to you. Don't, don't buy it. That's a snake oil salesman. <laughs> Uh, saddle shape is a hundred percent a thing. It's just different for most people, unless you're an arborist or a lineman or a rock climber, and you are used to being suspended from things, you have to get used to it. It is a different feeling on your hips, on your butt, on your back, on your legs. It's not altogether bad. It's just different and you have to get used to it. So it, it happens to me every year, even though you know, I've been saddle hunting for a decade now. Um, it's uh, more than a decade, really. But I still, the first few hunts every year, my butt gets a little sore. My hips hurt a little bit. My leg is just different, right? And yeah. that's really, if you're honest, it's the same thing that happens with a tree stand. I mean, when you, you you sit your first time in a tree stand, specifically like a ladder stand or a lock-on stand, your knees get sore, your butt gets sore, you know, all the above, right? So it's just something you have to get used to. And saddles are no different. You just have to get used to it. We call it saddle shape. Um, I guess just because it sounds cool, but <laughs> definitely a thing. So if, if you are a first time saddle guy, uh, do what Brian did, go set up in your backyard, you know, practice with it a few times. Uh, you don't, you don't need to spend hours in it. If, if the way I, I do it every year is uh, I, I sunk a telephone pole in my backyard because I don't have any trees in my backyard. So I'll go out and hang on my telephone pole with my saddle and just shoot my bow. And, you know, I'll go out and shoot for 15, 20 minutes, you know, and just kind of get used to it again and start getting the feel for moving around on your tether and, you know, do those things. I mean, you should, you should be shooting your bow anyway. So you may as well shoot from your saddle. That's just good advice, even if you're a tree stand guy. I mean, if you don't hunt, if you don't practice from an elevated position, we all know that in archery specifically, uh, not so much with rifles, but with archery, 
when you when you go from shooting on the ground and you go to shooting up in the air, you know, it, it changes a little bit. So oh, it's yeah. smart to practice from an elevated position. And so I like to tell guys to do the same thing. Just if you got a tree in your backyard, you know, hunt from that or go to a piece of public land where it's legal to target practice and, you know, hang in your saddle and, and shoot from it. It'll it'll make you a better archer and it'll get you used to, you know, get start getting in the swing of things for for hunting season. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Cause it is, it is a different experience as well. Shooting, shooting a bow from a saddle. I mean, it's, it's a lot different than, than standing on a platform of, of your tree stand and, and shooting. So it's, uh, yeah, it's definitely something else you want to practice. Not, not just getting in your saddle and, and getting used to being comfortable in it, but yeah, practice shooting that bow in it as well. Cause yeah. You know, and then, you know, back in the day when I was hunting from tree stands, you know, I would never, ever practice shooting down in my backyard. You never sat on the chair and practice shooting your bow. And then it comes time to go hunting. And you, the first thing you do is try to shoot from the seated position in your tree stand. And it's different, right? Oh, so yeah, it's like, yeah. you know, you should really in the army, there was always a, a saying that commanders use was train as you fight. And really, as an archer, you should try to to practice in in realistic scenarios at least sometimes you know i don't think it's practical to every single shot to climb into a tree or a saddle that's kind of ridiculous but you should work that into your your practice sessions if you can yeah yep absolutely and what about i guess well since we're talking about shooting shooting from the saddle and everything let's talk about setup a little bit because as you mentioned earlier you know, you have to, and I, and as I learned my first year hunting here, you have to th- think differently about your setup when you're hunting from a saddle than hunting from a tra- traditional tree stand. And and that took some, some getting used to for me, uh, because, you know, again, you're, you're facing the tree, it, typically expecting the deer to come from, from the direction that, that you're facing, you know, behind the tree or whatever, instead of, uh, the, the exact opposite. So I guess, kind of dive into that what are, what are some things you need to consider when you're uh you know this first year if somebody's new to saddle hunting they're going in to saddle hunt for the first time uh what what things do they need to consider before they pick a tree and get set up that's a great question because you're right it is different i like to i like to talk about it using a clock as a frame of reference so if you're if you're in a traditional tree stand like a ladder stand uh you're you're facing at 12 o'clock well the tree is at your six o'clock and in a saddle that's completely reversed so when you're hunting in a saddle you keep the the, one of the one of the benefits that people talk about is that you can keep the trunk of the tree in between you and where you think the deer are going to come from so you know the tree kind of camouflages you so in a saddle the tree is at 12 o'clock and your six o'clock is wide open so you know that like all things in life it's trade-off if the deer come in from behind you you are, you're, you're exposed, but if the deer fall the script and come in from in front of you, from where you're planning for them to come from, then you have that tree as a buffer and, uh, you know, hopefully a little bit of camouflage and concealment. So, it, you know, blessing and a curse, right? It's a, it, it, hopefully they don't come in from behind you, but sometimes they do because the deer get a vote, but yeah, it's, it's important to consider that when you're setting up, I like to set up, you know, the tree is at 12 o'clock. So in that scenario, if you're a right-handed shooter, the easiest shot for you to make is from 12 o'clock to probably 7 o'clock, going counterclockwise. So 12 o'clock, kind of right behind the tree or right in front of the tree, all the way down to 
kind of almost directly behind you. That's a really, really easy shot to make in a saddle and you hardly have to move much at all. And you can use the tree for cover for most of that shot where, where the shot gets a little bit more difficult is if you're going clockwise from like, I don't know, two o'clock down to back to six o'clock that, that section of the clock is a little bit harder to shoot. Um, just because you, you kind of have to turn yourself around and get in position to shoot. It's, it's kind of like with a tree stand. If you're sitting in a tree stand and the tree is at your six o'clock, well, it's really, really hard to shoot to six o'clock in a tree stand because the tree's in the way. Right. Uh, you kind of have those same, same limitations in a saddle. It's just that the tree's not, not really ever in the way, but it can be, it can pose some, some uh, problems when, you know, if the deer comes in quick and you don't have time to prepare, that can be a, a little bit more of a difficult shot. Yeah. Yeah. I, I did have, uh, <laughs> I had one experience like that last year, uh, just, and, and it was, you know, part of it was just me making, making the wrong decision, but, uh, I'd set up and, uh, was hunting, hunting Kentucky and just the tail end of the rut. And anyway, it set up and that evening had, I wasn't sure which way the, the deer were coming we're going to come from but i was situated where i thought they'd come by on my left either way uh and first buck small buck that came by came in from straight behind me but luckily i seen him coming and he passed right by on my left i mean would have been a perfect shot but just a young buck well a little just before dark here come a, a nicer buck one that i was gonna you know i was gonna put an arrow through if i got the chance and he was headed on the same trajectory coming straight in behind me but you know assuming he was gonna come right by my left like the other one we stopped dead behind me and then started breaking to his right and so i I tried to spin i spun all the way to about six o'clock and he uh he was on a steady pace and I, i couldn't i got to where i couldn't turn any further and at that point you know i had to try to rotate all the way back around you know almost 360 degrees and uh, it, it was it was too late. Time I done all that. He he was down in some thick stuff, but uh, you, you definitely have to uh, plan accordingly. I just well, uh, and sometimes you get unlucky, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, it it can it, happen no matter what you're hunting from. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't matter if you're in a box blind, a ladder stand, uh, uh, a regular tree stand, or a saddle ground blind. I mean, you're going to have dead spots no matter no matter what type of tool you're using, and. The cool thing about a saddle is you don't have dead spot. You don't have any dead spots if you have time, right? So if you see the deer coming from a long way away and you have enough cover to where you can move, you can position yourself to be ready for that shot where, where it fails is like the situation you just described where it happens quick and you right, don't yeah. have time to prepare then he can, you know, he can catch you off guard or he can go to a spot to make it really difficult. But I've shot deer at pretty much every position on the clock from 12 o'clock all the way around, you know, to, to 11 o'clock. I've shot them from every single way. And, and there's been situations where they've come in and caught me off guard and been behind me and off to my right. And I couldn't make a shot. So it really just depends on the situation and, you know, best case scenario, like you, like I said, you see them coming and you can get prepared, then you don't have any dead spots, but that's not always the case. Sometimes, sometimes you're the windshield, sometimes you're the bug. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. You, you can't, uh, you can't control how they, uh, how they behave. That's for sure. And they'll, uh, 
That's yeah, right. They have you just a, hope like, that the little ones do the stupid thing and the big one gives you the right shot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, they have a knack for, for doing the one thing that, you know, makes them, takes you out of, uh, takes you out of play. But anyway, kind of, I guess kind of getting back a little bit here to, to equipment before we finish that up completely. It, anything else, I guess, accessory wise that we hadn't talked about that, that may be beneficial for a new uh, saddle hunter. Yeah, if 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 this idea is kind of wetting your whistle, what I would recommend you do is jump on YouTube or uh, real yeah, probably YouTube. That's the best way because you can see it and kind of kind of search for some guys that have been doing it for a while and and look at their systems and see what type of comfort accessories and other types of accessories that they use for hanging their sticks or hanging their bow hangers or packing in gear and you know, back support. There's, there's really accessories and, and comfort items for everything you can imagine when it comes to saddle hunting. So I, I carry, I, I guess it might be helpful to go through kind of what I carry and yeah, that would work. maybe help, help people figure it out. So like I said earlier, I have two pouches on my saddle and one on my left hip and one on my right hip. And, you know, they're like a big Nalgene bottle size. So you can, you can stuff quite a bit of gear in there. And so the way, the way I set my saddle up is uh, on my left hip, I have my, those two ropes that we talked about. I have my tether and my lineman belt and the carabiners that I need for attaching them. Those, those live on my, on my left hip. They never leave the saddle. They're always there for every hunt. I don't take them out. I don't put them in my pack. I only use them on the tree. And then they go right back into that pouch on my left hip. On my right hip, I carry my bow hanger, which uh, is a, is an accessory called the hist strap. It's basically like a daisy chain, so you can hang all types of accessories, and that's how I hang my bow. So that little strap lives in my right hip, and then in my right hip, I have a bunch of a little carabiners for hanging gear, like a like a grunt call, binos, uh, rattling horns, anything I want to hang on the tree, so I have easy access. I carry clips for those. Then I carry my bow pull-up rope, which uh, I, that for me, that's just paracord, a length, a 40-foot length of paracord with a little clip on the end, and that lives on my right hip. And and then the the last thing that I carry on, in my right hip is my, uh, what, what we call the recliner. It's basically a, a big, comfortable strap, uh, strap of webbing that you can put on around your back. So as you're sitting for a long period of time, you get that back support. So you don't just have to support your whole weight in the saddle. You can put that recliner on and give yourself something to lean back against, which makes it very comfortable. So those are, those are the accessories that I carry on every hunt back support, bow hanger, some clips, and then my rope. And that's pretty much all I carry. So there's a lot of other accessories that people make and you can go deep down, deep, <laughs> down down in the rabbit hole as far down as you want and get as much stuff as you want but those are the the main accessories that i use the only other thing that i would mention that doesn't live in one of those pockets but that goes with me on every single hunt is a knee pad uh now i made mine mine is made from a tree stand seat that i cut in half and glued together so it's about three inches thick and i strap that onto the tree so when i'm kind of go into the seated position I have somewhere to put my knees against the tree so I can stay comfortable. Some guys use uh, knee pads, like, um, you know, just like a tile tile guy would wear or somebody that works on the floor would wear. Uh, you can buy them at Home Depot or Lowe's, or you can buy a set from a hunting brand. 
Um, but you're going to want something for comfort on your knees. I, I know guys that hunt without anything and they just put their knees in the tree, but I can't imagine that being comfortable no. for more than about an hour. But uh, those are the only accessories that I use. I don't carry a lot of stuff with me in the tree. I'm kind of a minimalist, but I recommend everyone getting back support and knee support for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love, I love my bike band. I use it a good bit, uh, like you said, to just kind of take that, take that pressure off your bike for a while. And, uh, yeah, uh, uh, another another check for the, the knee pads as well. Or, or I, did, I actually did the same thing as you did. I bought a, a cheap just foam pad and uh just strap it to my pack and put it against the tree strap it around the tree when i get there and put my knees against it when i need to i'm, I'm more of a leaner than a sitter but i'll, I'll sit sometimes just to uh, you know just like i said earlier just kind of stay comfortable switch things up exactly right but what about uh kind of getting getting back to the the climbing part of it how, how many how many climbing sticks does does a an average saddle hunter need i mean how many am i going to need to to get out there and get to a, a comfortable hunting height man you're opening up a whole pandora's <laughs> box with, with the climbing the climbing method question there are, there are so many options out there there are heavy sticks there are light sticks there are two-step sticks there's three-step sticks there's ladders there's screwing sticks there's climbing gaffs i mean i could go on and on and on there are so many options for climbing the tree um I'll talk about my two preferred methods and then, yeah, it's impossible to, to, to cover them all. But what I really like for setting up uh, a, what I would call a preset spot where I'm going to set up a tree before the season, or I guess even during the season, but most of the time it's preseason for me is I like to buy those cheap stick ladders from Walmart or find them on Craigslist or, or eBay or Facebook marketplace. Those, you know, 20 foot stick ladders. I love those things. They're cheap. They work on most trees. Um, I, I use, I use those quite a bit. And then if I'm, if I'm mobile hunting, I prefer to use, uh, three or four climbing sticks, um, mobile lightweight climbing sticks. There's a, there's a lot of, a lot of manufacturers that are making those and there's a wide variety of pricing. You can get them for really cheap, for really heavy, bulky, probably not very quiet climbing sticks. And then you can pay, half your paycheck for some that are lightweight and really, really easy to use and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So there's, there's a wide range of climbing sticks. Me personally, I use, I like to carry three or four of them. And then I use a series of aiders, which is essentially like a, like a, a webbing or a rope ladder. Like imagine like what a rock climber would use or a fireman, um, a, a ladder made out of webbing rungs and i like to attach those to my climbing sticks because i'm short i'm only five seven so in order to get you know where i hunt in the southeast and in savannah georgia those deer walk around same for you brian they walk (laughs) around with their necks looking up in the tree so i like to hunt high and uh you know 20 plus feet and in order for me to get to that height i have to carry like six sticks and i don't want to do that so I use those those aiders or those little webbing ladders to extend the length of my climbing sticks, and that way I don't have to pay a huge weight penalty for climbing a little bit higher. But yeah, the the, the climbing method I would I would recommend if you're new to this, getting into mobile hunting or something like that. I would recommend you jump on YouTube and do some do some searching and look at what what options are out there because there there are a thousand options, 
and uh, we could have a whole podcast just on the different climbing options. Yeah, yeah, we won't dive into one sticking or anything like that today. <laughs> we'll leave yeah, that leave that exactly. for another <laughs> another podcast. Oh, but how how many uh, do do you have an aider on each of your steps, and and how many how many steps is the aider itself each of your aiders? Yep. So I use two methods. Um, so my, my go-to method is a, is four sticks on the bottom stick. I use a multi-step aider. So there's four steps in that ladder or in that aider and that attaches to my climbing stick. So for me, that means with my very first stick, I can set it from the ground and I can get about seven feet off the ground with that with that one climbing stick. And I feel confident doing that because I'm close to the ground. So if something did happen, if I broke the ladder or I slipped, I'm not in danger of falling 20 feet. You know, I'll fall four or five feet and, you know, maybe I'll get hurt, but most likely I'll just damage my pride, (laughs) not anything else. So I like to use a multi-step aider on the bottom, the bottom stick. And then I use uh, a single step aider on the next three sticks. And when I do it that way, I can get to about 22 to 23 feet by the time I get on my platform. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. I've wondered. And and my whole system, my whole climbing system, those four sticks and all the aiders, it weighs about five pounds. So if for five pounds, I can climb to over 20 feet on any tree that I can get my rope around. So Big tree, small tree, it doesn't matter if it's crooked, if it's leaning, if it's weird. I can climb that tree if it's got branches or it doesn't. I can hunt any tree in America that I can fit that rope around. So to me, that's that's part of the versatility that I like because I hunt everywhere from the the coastal Georgia swamps to, you know, the Midwest bottomlands in Kansas where every tree is crooked and weird. So I like a system that's repeatable and efficient and I know it's going to work no matter where I hunt. There are guys that like that. Like you talked, you mentioned Brian, the one stick method, or, you know, I used to hunt with climbing gas spikes a lot and, you know, but then you run into situations where you're hunting on a piece where it's not legal or property owner doesn't want you using those. So you know, you may have to adapt your system as you move around the country to different, different, or different pieces that you hunt. So I've kind of, I've kind of settled after these last 10 years of being a saddle slash mobile hunter into this one system where I, I like my four climbing sticks and I like my little aiders and I can pretty much hunt anywhere I want. There you go. You just gotta, like you said, you gotta find what works for you and stick with it. That's right. I, I just wish I was like six, five. <laughs> so I can carry two sticks and then hunt wherever I want. <laughs> there you go. I know oh, a lot of guys like to, uh, especially in the in the saddle hunting realm. It seems like guys like to to modify their equipment. Uh, and, and one of the one of the big things I see guys doing are, are is, is doing whatever they can to to really quiet their equipment uh, to minimize, I guess, the chance of you know making noise, spooking deer when you're when you're setting up. I guess, can you touch on that? What are some ways you can kind of quiet your saddle hunting gear? Yeah, there's a product that I use the crap out of. It's called Stealth Strips. It's made by Stealth Outdoors. You can you can buy it online. Um, if you just Google Stealth Strips, there's a lot of places that sell it. But it's essentially like a fabric tape. It's a it's a fleece material that they, uh, that they glue on to uh, carpet tape. And it is really sticky 
and it stays forever. It lasts a long time. It's camouflage and it just makes everything super quiet. So I pretty much put stealth strips on everything, my climbing sticks, my carabiners, anything that's metal that could clank around. Um, I put stealth strip, I sell film. So I put, uh, I put climbing, I put stealth strips on my camera to camouflage it and quiet it down. Um, I highly recommend that it's not only does it camo your stuff, but it makes it softer. It makes it, you know, it's all metal. So it's not cold to the touch in the winter. And there's just a lot of advantages of using cell strips. I'm a big fan. I've got, I bought hundreds of feet of that stuff and just put it on everything. <laughs> now, what, what about as far as your platform? Do you, do you uh, stealth strip it or paint it or what, what have you done? Do you do anything to your platform? Yep, I do. I do both. I, I typically paint it. Um, I'm a big fan of spray painting, hunting gear for camo. If if not for the deer, for other hunters, <laughs> I like to hide it from other hunters. So I, I pretty much camo everything I take into the woods with me. Um, and on, on my platform specifically, I don't use a lot of stealth strips on my platform, but I do put it in any location where the metal could bang together. So on the platform I use, it's called the Predator platform. There's a section at the top of the post where when you fold the platform up for transporting it, the metal can touch and it can it can clang. So I run stealth strips right right around that spot just to make sure there's no metal on metal contact. But for the most part, I don't put any stealth strips, any other stealth strips on my or quieting material on my platforms. Okay, gotcha. Well, is there what have we missed? Is there anything else that we that we haven't covered? I guess surrounding saddle hunting that you think somebody might need to know that's that's interested in giving it a try. Man, I feel like we've covered a lot, and um, I brought it up a couple of times. But in uh, really, YouTube is your friend. If um, if you're interested in this, and you all this sounds like Chinese language to you, <laughs> and you don't know what I'm talking about. I would highly, highly recommend you jump on YouTube and search out some saddle hunters that have been doing it for a while. Uh, there's a lot of guys that, um, you know, YouTube's free. Any idiot can post on YouTube. I mean, heck, I post on YouTube. That's just proof. Any idiot can do it. But I'd recommend you get on YouTube and, and search out some channels for guys that have been doing it for a long time. And, and then just kind of look at their systems. I found that saddle hunters – love sharing their ideas and love helping other, you know, hunters out. So you'll be able to find some channels where they'll go through their subtle system and their platform and their ropes and their climbing method. And, and you can really get a lot of good ideas on how to, how to get gear. You know, if budget is your number one concern, you can find some really good budget friendly stuff. And if you don't care so much about the budget, you can find the most lightweight and the most efficient stuff. So there's something out there for everybody, no matter what your budget is or what your hunting experience is, you can find some information on YouTube and you can pretty much learn, learn what you need to know from, from the fellows on YouTube. I've got a channel called G2 Outdoors where I've been cataloging my saddle hunting adventures since 2015. I think I started my channel. So I got videos on there that are six or seven years old from the stuff that I used to make in my garage. So you can watch that from old videos all the way up into new videos. And uh, there's other guys like Garrett Prawl, the DIY sportsman. He's got a ton of content on his channel. And there's a lot of good channels out there for learning about this stuff. And it, it's always good to see it in action as opposed to just hearing it, you know, hearing some idiot like me talk about it. <laughs> and 
and for guys that um, you know might actually want to want to get out there and, and put their hands on this stuff and try it out, are, are you guys still doing the the teach and train sessions in different locations? Yes, yes. We I think we did twenty events this year um, all around the country. Matter of fact, I just got back from Montana uh, this past weekend where. I was trying to introduce the elk guys into using saddle hunting for water holes and pinch points and wallows and stuff like that. So that was fun. But yeah, actually more saddle hunting companies are starting to get into, into retail and into bow hunting shops. So there's a, there's an opportunity for, for, for you guys to maybe get your hands on some of this equipment um, in a, in a, in your favorite bow shop, as opposed to, you know, several years ago, the only option was to, just buy it and wait till it shows up at your house to try it. Or if you were lucky enough to have a buddy that had the gear, you could, you know, test your buddy's gear out. But now it's becoming more and more popular around the country. So there's a, there's a good chance that you can get some of, some of the gear that my company makes tethered in your bow shop or, you know, another saddle hunting brand. Maybe you can find their stuff in your bow shop. So that's pretty cool. And that's something that, that I was really wanting to see for the past several years because like I said, it, you know, a few years ago, there was no way to try this stuff out. You just had to either make it or buy it and hope you liked it. So it's cool that that's changing a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And kind of going back to what you were talking about as, as far as the saddle hunting community too, I've, I can't tell you how many times I've seen guys, you know, posting some of the, the, uh, Facebook saddle hunting groups, you know, about, you know, wanting to try out a, a specific saddle or a piece of equipment and and others jumping in and saying hey you know i i don't live that far from you i got one you know you'd be glad to let you try it on and try it out so that's uh that's an option as well for guys if uh you know they don't have a place around there where they can they can lay eyes on one they might be able to find somebody online that'll that'll hook them up and let them try theirs absolutely that's a that's a great point it's cool that 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 the the saddle hunting community has kind of embraced that and embraced helping helping other hunters learn this stuff. It's really cool. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, man, I appreciate uh, appreciate your time today, and uh, yeah, hope hopefully your uh, your your trip is is winding up here soon. <laughs> and uh, where can the uh, where can the listeners kind of keep up with you and and what the tether the tethered crew are up to throughout deer season here. Yeah. Um, we, so we've got, you know, pretty much a presence on all the, all the social media stuff. The, I, I don't really get much on Facebook anymore. It, I, I have just found that Facebook has turned into a dumpster fire. It is like the worst <laughs> yeah. place to go anymore. So yeah. I avoid Facebook like the plague. I, I really enjoy YouTube because there doesn't seem to be all the fighting and yelling back and forth about this or that. So I always like to tell people to go to YouTube, follow us on YouTube. It's, it's tethered nation pretty much everywhere. And then I have a YouTube channel that I don't post much on anymore, but there's still a lot of good content there called G2 outdoors on YouTube. And that's a good one as well. Uh, yeah, I'm about to get hot and heavy into deer season. Hopefully you are too, Brian. I've got a trip, uh, going to Nebraska this year for their opener the first week of September. So I'm pretty excited about that. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'd say so. That man, yeah, that's that's the place. I, I took my son out to Nebraska. It's been several years ago now when he was graduating high school for a for a turkey hunting trip. And man, I've been wanting to get back there and deer hunt ever since. And I still still haven't made it happen, but I'm I'm going to here in the next year or two. Um that, that ought to be a cool trip. There's a there's another cool thing that we're 
about to launch on the Tethered YouTube channel, Tethered Nation. And we're doing something that's called, we're calling it the Tagged Out Tour. Brian, nobody knows about this. So this is a reveal for nice. for your listeners, <laughs> your podcast. This, is, this will be the first time the world has heard about it. But we are doing something really cool that I'm excited about. We have five hunters, uh, young kids that just got out of high school. They have no responsibilities, no family, no kids, nothing holding them down to any location. And we bought this old 30-foot Bluebird bus and turned it into an RV. And we are sending these kids around the country on an all-expense-paid hunting trip. So they're they're going to start the first week of September and travel all around the country and hunt and try to tag out in like 15 different states. I can't wait Man. To, to watch. I'm jealous. Yeah. I wish I could go. <laughs> My wife and my wife would divorce me and my kids would hate me, but we're doing that. We're, we're trying to like give back to the hunting community. We think it's so cool that we, you know, I get to do this now for a living. And so we're, we decided we want to give back. So we're, we're putting these five kids on a bus and sending them around the country. I think it's going to be really, really cool. Man. Yeah. That's, that is a, uh, a once in a lifetime experience for them. that's, that's going to be something they'll remember for the rest of their lives. So that will, will be cool. I'll be looking forward to, to seeing how that turns out. Yep. I'm excited to see how it shakes out. Hopefully we don't kill each other and hopefully <laughs> that uh, it's a, it's a 50 yeah. year old bus. <laughs> it's a 1980 bus or I guess 40 year old bus. So hopefully uh, the bus makes it to all those States they're going to go to. <laughs> yeah yeah hopefully so hopefully they'll they'll have a uh an uneventful trip as far as that goes yeah uh, yeah hopefully they don't get stranded on the side of the interstate in south carolina and just have to sweat for four days and <laughs> well, that'll just add to the story i guess oh man yeah, they're, they're they, young yeah, they're young they can handle it they can handle it they'll yeah. be fine <laughs> but man i appreciate it greg i've i've enjoyed it like uh like always, and uh, be looking forward to seeing how your season unfolds. Yeah, man. Thanks for the opportunity to come on the podcast and talk to your listeners. I appreciate it a lot. All right, guys, that wraps up our interview with Greg Godfrey. Uh, thanks so much for checking out this episode of the Deer Season 365 podcast. If you haven't already, please consider subscribing to the show. You know, you can find us on all the popular podcasting platforms like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, uh, and and several more. So about anywhere you could listen to uh, listen to podcasts, you should be able to find us there. Or you can just go to DeerAssociation.com slash podcast and subscribe directly from our website. Uh, hey, we'd also love it if you take just a second to leave us a five-star rating or a written review. You know, those both help us uh, climb the, the podcasting charts and be more visible to uh, to future listeners. So. We would appreciate any support you could give us there. For more information about the National Deer Association, you can visit our website, again, at deerassociation.com. From there, you can sign up for our free weekly newsletter. You can become a member. And don't forget about that podcast promo code that we talked about at the beginning of the show to get you a little bit of a discount on an annual membership and that free NDA hat. So be sure to take advantage of that. And, uh, hey, just enjoy some of our several hundred articles of, of free content right there on our website covering everything from hunting strategy to food plots habitat improvement um, deer management you name it uh, if it's deer hunting or deer management related we got some good content right there on our website available to you so 
check that out. And of course, you can always find us on all the popular social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at Deer Association. So again, thanks for listening to the Deer Season 365 podcast, the podcast where deer season never ends.